Well, good morning and welcome to what is probably the strangest Easter Sunday any of us will experience. And, you know, one of the things that means constant this Easter are really the words of Jesus that we find in John chapter 11 and verse 25. Jesus declares that he is the resurrection and the life. This is an audacious claim by Jesus and one that many of us have found to be true and one that has been at the heart of our celebrations at Easter for generations. And, and there is some some sense of comfort that in the midst of this crazy time, in the midst of this crisis, uh, today on Easter Sunday, around uh, 2.2 billion Christian believers will be celebrating and, uh, and, and gathering around those claims that Jesus made, that he is the resurrection and the life and you know the whole point of Easter the whole point of of Holy Week uh, is an opportunity to relive and retell uh, the the story and the moments that took place leading up to Jesus's death and resurrection uh, we start don't we on Palm Sunday with Jesus's triumphal entry into the city riding on a donkey. We we remember Jesus having his last meal with his closest, most intimate friends. Uh, we, we, we remember the time that Jesus is arrested and beaten and put on trial. And then ultimately we get to the point of his execution on a cross. And so we spend this time at Easter reliving and retelling uh, the story to one another. And so on Easter Sunday, we start living with a sense of aftermath. Jesus is dead. I don't know if you've ever experienced an aftermath moment. It's that moment after you receive some bad news. It's that moment after you receive that diagnosis, that, that sense that life after this moment is never going to be the same again and for those closest to Jesus at this time they are experiencing an aftermath moment and so if you've got a bible why don't you turn with me uh, to Mark's gospel we're going to be in Mark chapter 16 and picking up in verse 1 it says when the sabbath was over Mary Magdalene Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus's body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they lay him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. 
Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And so we pick up this story as these women are going to the tomb with spices to anoint Jesus's body for burial. This is the last moment where Jesus is going to be laid to rest. And the the truth is they're heading towards the tomb in the aftermath of the cross, completely forgetting everything Jesus had told them. You see, Jesus had been quite explicit with his disciples about what was going to happen to him. Uh, A little bit earlier in Mark chapter 9, Jesus, he says this, he says, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. In fact, Jesus on a number of occasions uh, went out of his way to tell his disciples what was going to happen. In fact, Jesus went further in talking about this than just his inner circle of friends. In John's gospel, he, he, he speaks to the crowds of people and he says he uses this metaphor of the temple being destroyed and being rebuilt in three days. That, that his body is like the temple and that he will be raised again in three days time. And in fact, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those that despised Jesus, took this claim seriously to the point they went to Pilate and asked him to put a guard on the tomb and they I I think they did that so nothing could happen or even suggest that a resurrection had taken place and it seems natural doesn't it to us that um, with everything that Jesus said to his disciples that they should have been like queuing up outside the tomb waiting for this amazing miracle of resurrection to take place And for those of us reading, it can feel a little bit frustrating that those closest to Jesus didn't understand his message. But then again, how often in our lives do we forget the words of Jesus? How often do we neglect what Jesus has told us to be true and instead we worry we agonize we we stay awake at night not in expectation but instead we we sign off on our own tomb we we gather our spices and we forget every good word that Jesus has and is speaking into our lives the the truth is in the aftermath of pain in the aftermath of crisis we are all guilty of failing to remember the truth that Jesus speaks and so early on in the first day of the week just after sunrise they're on the way to the tomb and unexpectedly the the stone has been rolled away and in the tomb is this angel and and what I want to do this morning is just think really quickly about a couple of instructions that the angel gave. The first is this. He says, you are here and you are looking for Jesus who was crucified or you're looking for the crucified one. 
You know, crucifixion was so dehumanizing that Roman citizens were not even allowed to be crucified. One Roman philosopher uh, said this about crucifixion. He says, to bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To kill him is almost an act of murder. To crucify him is what? There is no fitting word that could possibly describe so horrible a deed. He went on to say that the word cross should be removed not only from a person of, of, of the Roman uh, civilization it shouldn't just be removed from their thinking but their but their eyes and ears shouldn't see it either crucifixion wasn't something that the philosophers believed uh, a civilized roman person should even witness or talk about crucifixion was horrendous it was bloody it was humiliating anyone crucified would have been considered cursed by God, or if you were a Roman, cursed by the gods. And and for the Jews, likewise, uh, you would see crucifixion through a particular lens. Uh, one lens that you would see crucifixion through was the lens of Deuteronomy 21, where it says this, if someone has committed a crime worthy of death and he's executed and hung on a tree, the body must not remain hanging from the tree overnight. You must bury the body the same day. For anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. And so if you uh, were a Jew and you witnessed crucifixion, then you would have looked at that person as cursed by God. And so no matter who uh, you are in the first century, Jew or Roman, if someone died by crucifixion, it would have been akin uh, to being cursed by God or the gods themselves. And so when these women hear the angels speak, they may have expected something different to be said. They, they may have expected to hear him say, well, you're here looking for Jesus, the one who is cursed. Or you're here looking for Jesus, the one who died the most cursed way possible. But that isn't what the angel said. He said this, he said, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. There's this real clear instruction on what to do and, and where to go from the angel. And so why would the angel say this? Why would he say this to Mary? Well, probably because the disciples were in hiding. After the death of Jesus, they were disappointed, they were scared, uh, and they probably thought their fate was going to be the same as Jesus. And Peter, who was often the outspoken one amongst the disciples, he was the disciple that denied Jesus three times. 
that it that when the crowds recognized peter as one of the disciples peter denied jesus and 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 he and he walked away from jesus and hid you see i believe that the disciples needed to know that jesus wanted to see them i think peter needed to know that jesus was asking for him that jesus asked for him by name and you see the 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 truth is jesus calls each one of us out by name not to shame us not to show us up but to tell us he wants to meet with us and he wants to meet with us right where we are often we talk about people you know, being on a spiritual journey. And in, in, in moments of crisis, uh, like we're living through right now, there may be many of us who are exploring what it means to have faith. And you might find yourself on that journey right now. And that often when crisis enters the system, we set ourselves up to go and find God. And we go on a journey and and maybe for some of us, God seems far away or too hard to find. Maybe we assume God is hiding from us. But that isn't the case. That isn't what the gospel tells us. This That isn't what this story is telling us. I don't think we are looking for God so much as God is is looking for us and what if jesus is the way in which god has come to find us and actually long before we pursue him he is actually pursuing us and actually he's not the one hiding but we're the ones hiding you know since the moment uh in the garden in genesis uh, chapter three, where our where our first parents Adam and Eve ate from the tree of life. It was God who went and found, but it was they who were hiding. Why do we always presume that He, God, is the one hiding from us? God is looking for us, and we're the ones who are often hiding from Him. We are the ones who are lost and so mary is given this task to go ahead and tell the disciples to tell peter not to hide not to hide away not to worry but to be ready to meet jesus who is looking for them and then it says this in verse 8 it says trembling and bewildered the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, I don't know fully why they were afraid. Maybe it was the thought of meeting the resurrected Jesus, or maybe it was the fact that they just encountered an angel in a tomb. But the one thing that we're sure of in this moment is Jesus wasn't there he had risen that 
this Jesus who had gone to the cross, forgiving humanity, feeling forsaken by even his heavenly father, this Jesus who died as an innocent man, enduring the death of a cursed man, uh, not dying for his own guilt and sin, but dying for our guilt and sin. It is this Jesus who is now risen. It is this Jesus who has now left the tomb. The tomb is empty. Jesus isn't there. He has risen. He's beaten the power that death has. And today, Easter Sunday, we celebrate that fact. We celebrate the fact that the crucified one has become the worshipped one. Where sin and death no longer have the last word. Where the curse of our world no longer has the last word. But actually Jesus has the last word. That Jesus has the final victory. That Jesus is alive and he is a saviour that is available and who is looking for you. And so my question this morning for all of us is would you be willing to come out of hiding? Would you be willing to be found by Jesus this very morning that that in this season of crisis uh, where many of us may have questions where many of us may feel a sense of anxiety and fear would you be willing for Jesus to find you this morning